0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the winter of 2018. We start by speaking with author Jim Papandrea about the similarities that superheroes and sci-fi characters have with Christ. After that, we reconnect with married couple and singing duo Adam and Lori Yubowski. They are the band Out of Darkness and they have a new album, Where You Are. In our second half hour, Salt and Light TV's Allison Kenny tells us all that we need to know about the Pope's new apostolic exhortation, Gaudete et Exultate, and we end the show by meeting another married couple, uh, another singing, songwriting duo, the Mosleys. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook or on Twitter. We begin now with Christ Figures in Science Fiction. I love the fact that so many people claim to be atheists and that our world is a secular world and that even some people say that there's no place for Christianity in our modern world. But at the same time, Christianity is so predominant in culture. Had Jesus not been born, we probably wouldn't have so many superheroes and science fiction characters. Author Jim Papandrea argues that many of these are actually Christ figures. Think about it. Someone from another world who is the chosen one who comes to save the world? Sounds like Christ. But it could be Superman. It could be Harry Potter. This is why Jim wrote From Star Wars to Superman, Christ Figures in Science Fiction and Superhero Films. And to tell us all about it, I am now joined by Jim Papandrea. Jim, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour.
1: Thank you. It's a uh, it's a blessing to be here. Thank
2: you. Yeah, for how fun me and, on the and show.
0: I, I th- you're you're welcome. And, and what a fun fun book. When I when I heard about it, I was like, I need I need to get this book, if anything, so that I could understand what lost was all about. But um, <laughs> what? Yeah, seriously. What what gave you the idea for this book?
1: Well, you know, um, I've been teaching a long time, and when I was new at it, um, the uh, it came to my attention that some people were starting to teach courses on religion and film. Okay. And so I decided to do that, too. And so I was one of the early adopters of this idea of teaching a course on religion and film. And what I found out was that the films that resonated most with me and my students were the, the superhero and sci-fi films where uh, there, you know, there's a hero character who is a savior figure. And so in the course, we would analyze these savior figures and compare them to the real Christ. And ever since doing that, I've always wanted to write this book. And I'm, I'm so grateful for the Sophia Institute Press to, for asking yeah, me to write it. Yeah,
0: for sure. So is the book organized a lot like the course would have been organized? Because there's a specific format to the book.
1: Uh, a little bit, yeah. Although the course would have uh, other kinds of films that maybe don't have hero characters. Right. But the book is organized um, along sort of the types of, of characters or universes uh, there's a there's a section on aliens incarnate, alternate universes, and then a section on time travel is incarnation, and then another section on the superhero.
0: Okay. but you also have a bit of a, can I use the word matrix uh, of like a mm-hmm. graph that you sort of have our score gives scores to each character based on how Christ-like that's or right. not they are. How does that's that what work? I call
1: their orthodoxy score. Right. So that um, compare each character to the real Christ, um, and I use the criteria that are in the Nicene Creed, so does this character okay. come down to save us,
0: okay. or does
1: this character rise up as a different kind of character? Oh, yeah. And in comparing them to the real Christ, um, the higher the orthodoxy score, the, the, the more they are a good metaphor for um for Christ as we understand him in the church.
0: Okay, I see. So maybe maybe this is the right time to ask you for to give us an example like if we took let's say Star Wars. I'm not sure which character there if it's Luke or Obi-Wan or who the character is that you want to pick. How how would that work with your orthodoxy score?
1: Right. Well, so in in Star Wars, I'm primarily looking at the um the first of the first three films that yeah. came out back in the 70s and they're Actually, the Christ figure that I look at is Obi Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan. and so, yeah. um, you know, in one sense, he has certain aspects uh, that are that parallel Christ in that he sacrifices his life, um, right? But he there's a there's a sort of a resurrection because he kind of comes back to give Luke advice, um, but on the other hand, there are other elements that he that he doesn't have because he doesn't he doesn't come from a different world than the people he. Uh, right he's trying to save he's he's, he's not uh the, the embodiment of divine intervention but he's more like you know anyone through the right training could become a jedi right so in, in that case he doesn't fit the, the the parallel to the real christ and so actually as it turns out um, Obi Wan Kenobi gets one of the lowest orthodoxy scores of all the characters that I uh, that I analyze.
0: I'm curious, actually, as to why you picked Obi Wan and not Luke, because Luke is also you got to kind of question who his father is, or you know, um, uh, sorry, not Luke, Anakin, um, mm, that right, who doesn't right. have a father, sure. or maybe a divine father, and he could be the chosen one, even though he chose the dark side. But then he gets redeemed at the end.
1: Right. Well, I mean, I, uh, for those exact reasons, because. He's he's more of an antichrist than a Christ figure for most of the story, Uh and um, and in 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 order to be redeemed, he needs to be saved. He's not the one doing the Ah,
0: saving, right?
1: Um, Now there is a moment in um, uh, in in one of the original films where uh, the sort of climactic moment where uh, Luke almost sacrifices his life to try and save Darth Vader. Yes, Darth Vader, uh, you know, turns against the evil Emperor. And, uh, and saves Luke, but gives his own life. Uh, but even there, um, it's more about Darth Vader affecting his own salvation through his sacrifice and atoning for his own sins, so he's not really the savior of others in that sense. Uh, of course, you could do another whole chapter on you know, th- these kinds of things that we're talking about, uh, and maybe if I write another uh, volume uh, in the in a series uh, like this, I would do that. But in this case, I chose Obi-Wan Kenobi as the most right. um, obvious
0: Christ. Yeah, of course, Wars. of course. Now, the book, you I mean, we're not going to go through all of it, but I mean, there's so many films here and so many characters. You've got Doctor Who, you've got Superman, you've got Terminator, you've got... Uh, uh, I mentioned Lost earlier, We've, that, that whole series that maybe we don't have time to explain the whole series, but get the book if you want to understand Lost. Um, Spider-Man, right. you got Lilo from uh, The Fifth Element and other characters. It, it, which would be the character that cl- got the highest score, that would be the most Christ-like in all these uh, the films? That right, we well,
1: I mean, the highest science fiction character scores would be uh, Doctor Who and, and Lilo from The Fifth Element. Really? Um, and then the highest scores among the superheroes would be Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. Um, and for various reasons that I discuss in the book, right. um, you know, they come closest to being metaphors for the actual Christ. And uh, But I, of course, I invite readers to interact with me um, on social media and tell me if they disagree with my scores, and if they would uh, give a different character a higher score or whatever, because, uh, you know, that's what this book is really all about, is is generating discussion Absolutely. that helps us understand the real Christ better.
0: Absolutely. How can people reach you on social media then?
1: Uh, well, I'm on uh, Twitter primarily at Jim Papandrea. And so uh, yeah, okay. if, they, if, they, if they need to spell my name, uh, my Amazon author page is drjimsbooks.com. Okay. So they can just go there. That's find great. Me that way.
0: That's great. Okay, so I'm going to encourage people to, to go and, and, and tweet you. Um, wh- why do you think that, or rather, what does it, What's the question? What does it tell us that Christ is present, if I can say in disguise, all over popular culture? Like, why is this even important?
1: Well, I believe, uh, of course, in the truth of the Incarnation. And I think that because we are made in the image of God, I think we're hardwired to be ready for the story of the Incarnation. And um, this is why it keeps popping up in popular culture. I think there are elements of it that pop up in, in culture even before Christ came. And uh, you can see the, the elements of the hero's journey in even ancient mythology. And I yeah. think that uh, as humans created in the image of the Trinity, I think we are just hardwired for this, to be ready to receive uh, the Word made flesh. And, mm. um, and of course, most of the time when people write fictional stories, um, and this kind of thing bubbles up. They don't necessarily get it right, but that's what—that's why it's good for uh, for
0: discussion. Absolutely. So we're—it's almost like we are hardwired for a good reason yeah. to, towards the divine and towards that and, and that, that this these stories reflect something that is intrinsic to all humanity. Whether it, absolutely, you know, um, that that we need salvation. That 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 someone is chosen to save us. Um, I don't know if, if you can even stretch it to the whole virgin birth, because that's also present in some of these stories.
1: Right, um, that's right. We, yeah. We all need salvation, and that, I think, is also something that we inherently know, even though we may not want to admit it sometimes. And then, so these stories present us with Savior figures, and the question becomes, you know, what kind of Savior are they? Yes. And are they the kind that's really going to do us any good?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, lots of... Uh, food for thought here. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for writing the book, and thank you for all that you do, and uh, it's been great having you on the program. Yeah, thank you so much. Jim, or James Papandrea, is a teacher, author, speaker, and a musician. He's the Associate Professor of Church History at Garrett Evangelical Seminary, which is on the campus of Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. He is the author of From Star Wars to Superman, Christ Figures in Science Fiction and Superhero Films, which is published by Sophia Institute Press. Here now is our featured Band of the Week, Out of Darkness, with Living Bread from their new album, Where You Are. ¶¶ That was Out of Darkness with Living Bread from their new album, Where You Are. Out of Darkness is comprised of husband and wife, Adam and Lori Yubowski. They were first on this program in May 2014. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But at the time, they were both directors of music ministry at two parishes in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee in Florida. They released their first album in 2010 and their second album, Stronghold, was released in 2013. And now, even though they're busy parents um, and music ministers, they have released their third album, which we've been listening to, Where You Are, which was a result of a crowdfunding campaign. And I'm very happy to welcome Laurie and Adam Yubowski of Out of Darkness back to the Salt and Light Hour. Welcome, you guys.
3: Hi, thank Hi you. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to be back. can't believe it was that long ago. I know,
0: eh? <laughs> I thought it was like last year. Well, two years ago or yeah. something. Like four <laughs> years ago. Um, tell me about this album. So what... What? Uh, I know it was crowdfunded, so you can tell me a little bit about that, but what's different about this album for you guys?
3: Yeah, well, there. I think there's a lot that's different about this album. I think the maturity that comes with a third project mm-hmm. and... Um, And as we've done with each of our projects, we used a different producer. And the direction we went with this one just gave us an opportunity to really kind of explore more of what we would do in a live setting, say with adoration or just um, some of that deeper worship. Right. So it it really gave us a chance to um, explore some some different, I guess, different types of music this time.
0: Right. Is it your sense that most of these songs are to be used in a setting like adoration?
4: Yeah, that, that was really kind of, um, you know, when we, when we started this project and, and our producer had heard us play one time that we just kind of, you know, focused on a, a little bit more intimate feel, I guess is, is a good word to, to put it. Um, because yeah, yeah. we, we just really wanted to be able to create that, uh, that sense of just you know intimacy and just relationship you know with with the music as well as you know just obviously what
0: what the music should be pointing to. So. Right. No, that's true, and and you do get that sense from listening to it. Do you? I think I might have asked you this four years ago, but so when you're working together, I mean, your husband and wife, you're had you been working on this music? Did you think it was going to be an album, or did you just have these songs that you thought, hey, this kind of works together? How do you put together an album?
3: Well, so for this one, we um, we kind of had the vision before we had the music. Uh-huh. We had a an opportunity to co-write with Sarah Hart, who's wonderful, right, amazing yes. musician. Yeah. And she we kind of brought our intentions to her, like where we wanted to go, what kind of songs we wanted to come forth from this. And
5: mm-hmm.
3: um, it was a beautiful time to write with her, and, and, and a lot came out of that. And then, but the other part to that is there are a few songs on the project that we would do live, and people would say, hey, do you have that recorded? And right. we would have to say, no, we don't. But they kind of wanted to bring a piece of that home with them, and so it was an opportunity for us to do a few more covers mm-hmm. um, of those songs that people really connected with uh, You know, when we were doing things live.
0: Right, right. That's right, because there's a few um, that are covers. One of them is Set a Fire um, yes. by Will Regan. Uh, Will, I don't know the guy's last name. Is it Will Regan? Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's um, yeah. Tell me about that. Why? Why that song?
3: Oh yeah, I'm going to dominate conversation here by telling, <laughs> talking about this. I'm um,
4: just completely normal.
3: <laughs> that is a true statement. <laughs> um, this became one quickly one of our favorite songs on the project. Um, there's a, a nearby Catholic school in our diocese that we've been doing their Catholic Schools Week concert for about five or six years, probably. Yeah. And we would use "Set a Fire." Um, for a couple of years we used it, and they just sang it so beautifully. And we really became inspired to capture that beautiful angelic sound um, in a song and, and in a recording. And so Set a Fire became the clear choice. And we we uh, had our producer come down to Florida. Um, he brought his gear. We went to that Catholic school and had them record. And then another Catholic school nearby that we also do Catholic Schools Week um, events for, and then um, the children and the teens at our own parish who sing with us regularly. So there's close to 500 voices, um, young voices, on that track. Wow. And we just try to warn people. There's a disclaimer, like, just have your Kleenex ready because
5: (laughs) it's just beautiful. you're right. It's It's true.
0: Yeah, I uh, didn't—it's amazing, 500, because I— he, he, listening to it I thought I mean not that it's a bad rendition of the song but that is by far the best part of the song is the ending mm-hmm. when you have all these Definitely. and I was going to ask you well, where did those kids come from that's that's amazing what a great experience yeah. what a great it really was yeah it really was for sure yeah. um um so you worked with Sarah Hart on some of the songs you had an idea of what the album was going to be like um, why the title? Where you are? There's this. There's a scripture passage that you've inscribed on in the, oh, in the on the inside of the of the of the, of yeah. the cover. Um, tell me about that, and what's the connection with the paralytic?
4: Um, well, just just briefly, um, I'll, I'll I'll put my two cents, and then Laurie will embellish. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, kind of with with that intimacy feel we were going for, and um, you know, it's kind of a stealth adoration album. We just really wanted to. Um, people to just be able to meet Jesus where we are, where He is, where you are, uh-huh. um, and just you know, just you know, just take the time, find the time wherever you are. Just let that be your moment with God, just wherever you are. Uh-huh. And the uh, the gospel passage was just such a um, you know a tie in for that for us. Yeah, it right. kind
3: of had that double meaning of in um, the story of the paralytic tied in so well and really just inspired that 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 like the length that he went through and his friends went through to bring him Mm -hmm. before the feet of Christ. I mean, just fighting the crowds, I mean, breaking open a roof, lowering him in, um, enduring the the kind of weird looks and the the trials to get there, just the lengths that he went to to be in, in Christ's presence and just kind of encouraging not only ourselves but those who would hear this music to do the same thing, to just really fight for that time to be... Um, to spend time with the Lord, yeah. so that's kind of that second meaning to that too.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. There's the the where you where you where we are and where Christ is too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can't let you go, Lori, without asking you about this new project that you're working on, which is a book.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. So super excited to be teaming up with our oldest child, um, our daughter Ava. She's oh. going to be twelve soon. Okay. And um, we are working with Ave Maria Press to publish a Catholic mother-daughter journal. Okay. And, um, hmm. and this is going to be available for pre-order in just a few weeks. And um, we're so excited.
0: <laughs> so what, how does that work? It's a mother-daughter journal. You're both writing, but what's the sort of format? How does it work?
3: Yeah, that's a good question because people have asked us, how are you writing a journal? Don't other people write in a journal? And... <laughs> <laughs> The answer is yes, <laughs> but um, what we've done is we've crafted um, 15 different sections in this journal that focus on uh, a different virtue or a different way to build relationship between mothers and daughters, and yeah. each section spotlights a saint or um, or a person in the Bible, and just kind of uses their example as a way to kind of form this discussion between mothers and daughters
5: right. um,
3: to build that bond and that relationship, and also just to really... Um, focus on areas of our life um,
0: spiritually that need attention hmm. as mothers and daughters. That's neat. Let's so, yeah. see. You can tell that I have, have like 10, 10 questions to ask, but maybe I'll just ask <laughs> the one. So you're used to working with your husband on writing music and doing music. And mm-hmm. now you're working with your daughter on writing a book. Mm-hmm. How, well, what's that experience like? You're, 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 um, I'm sure 12 year old going on 25.
3: Pretty much. That, that's a great way to describe Ava. She's, she's super smart and um, and I think really grown up. But it's yeah. it's been a lot of fun. We, we've cracked ourselves up. We've, you know, brainstormed ideas and look at each other and we're like, no, that's just not a good idea. And <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's been a chance to be very real um, with her and with each other. And um, I'm just so proud of her and, mm-hmm. and the work that she's put into it. Um, it's been really neat for our relationship.
0: That's great. What a, what a great uh, experience mm-hmm. for a daughter to have that time with her mom. Um, mm-hmm. um, so th- th- we, you don't have a title yet, I'm assuming, but information will be out. People can get it on your social media, also at your website, outofdarknessmusic.com. There's going to be information about this mom-daughter book yep. that's coming out. Um, and I'm sure through Ave Maria Press as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's all the time we have, guys, but I love the new album. I love the music as always. Um, I, I, trust that our listeners have also been enjoying listening to the three tracks that we heard, what well, we've heard two, and we're going to end the program with another track. So thank you for, for what you do and, and, uh, keep doing it. And hopefully our paths will cross one day.
3: Yes, definitely. Thank you so much for all you do as well and for having us. We appreciate
0: it. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. Out of Darkness are Adam and Lori Yubowski. You can learn more about them, out of, Dar- out of Darkness. Book them for an event or buy their music or find out about the new book that is writing with her daughter, Ava, at their website, outofdarknessmusic.com. And here now is Out of Darkness with the title track of their new album, Where You Are. i uh-huh. Listening to Out of Darkness with Where You Are from their album of the same name. This is a special edition of the Saltonite Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Check out our website at saltonightv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, last Monday, Pope Francis released a new papal document, Gaudete et Exultate, on the call to holiness in today's world. Of the documents that hold most weight, this is Francis's fifth. He's written two encyclicals, Lumen Fidei and Laudato Si, and three apostolic exhortations, Evangelii Gaudium, Amor is Leticia, and now this new one, Gaudete et exultate. And to give us a few points to keep in mind as you read through Gaudete et exultate, here is Salt and Light's Alison Kenny.
6: Hi, Allison. Pedro. Hello.
0: Good. Good. So this is, this is. it's great to have an excuse to have you on the program. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for having me. Um, so you've read the, inci- you've read, it's not an encyclical, sorry. Yep, it's an, it's an, an apostolic exhortation. exhortation. You've read it like 10 times already. Uh, Maybe one and Um, and a half, I would say. In several different languages. So let's start basic um, in case people missed the beginning of the program when Emily mentioned it. Mm -hmm. What does the title mean? El Gaudete et Exultate"?
6: So the title comes from Matthew 5. It's Rejoice and Be Glad. Matthew 5, as some people may or may not know, is the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is actually telling those who are persecuted or humiliated for his sake to rejoice and be glad, which is kind of interesting because the Pope doesn't mention... Persecution and humiliation, too, too much in the document. I think what he's trying to say here is that holiness will lead to happiness.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because you think it's about holiness, but rejoice and be glad. Mm-hmm. So that's a good. So that's the first thing that we need to know about this document. <laughs> good. So why why is Pope Francis writing about holiness?
6: So he wanted to repropose the call to holiness for modern people in modern times. He mentions that at the start of the document. Uh-huh essentially, we're all called to be holy, but many people still really think of the call yeah. to holiness as just belonging to people like priests, nuns, even deacons like yourself. you know? yeah, but, I'm pretty holy. But <laughs> <laughs> as we all know here yes, in the office, yes. 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 <laughs> but holiness isn't, as Francis says in the document, he literally says it's not about swooning in mystic rapture. Right. Instead, what holiness is really about is becoming who God has truly intended for you to be. He uses this great term. Huh. There's a lot of really neat little nuggets in this document. It's really highly readable. And he refers to the middle class of holiness. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we think of, you know, saints like Teresa of Avila, maybe levitating or people bilocating like Padre Pio, but he's trying to speak to people like you or me who have real lives, real responsibilities, and how in the day-to-day of our lives, we are like the middle class of holiness. Right.
0: So, so which is why it's holiness in today's world, but it's holiness for everybody in daily life.
6: Exactly. Right. And how we can then use our... Daily life to become holier.
0: Yeah, I know. I I love this because I talk to groups all the time, or I'm preaching, and I'll say, "Who here is going to go to heaven?" Or "Who here is holy?" And nobody feels like they can Mm. say, "I'm holy," Uh, but you don't have to. Holiness doesn't mean perfect.
6: Exactly, holiness does not mean perfection. What it means is trying to do. Everything with love, especially small things, with great love. There's a lot of um, echoes of St. Therese of Lisieux throughout this document. I really felt a lot of her—I'm a big fan of hers, a lot of her writings, and it really comes through in that way.
0: Interesting, because I was going to ask you, is Pope Francis saying anything new?
6: So the, the short answer is not really, but stay with me, okay? okay. So the, the longer answer is he's echoing a lot of trends that we've seen in the church throughout the 20th, 21st century, uh-huh. and a lot of bringing together a lot of streams of thought that exist, I think, in you know popular devotional culture that maybe the church hasn't really talked about in a really official way before. So there's a lot of St. Therese of the Isu's little way. There's a lot of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, uh, right. even St. Faustina. There's uh-huh. a lot a big focus on mercy here, and he's really bringing things up to date for us. So he does mention um, even things like social media or the online world and how we're called to live with love in that world, right. as well. So I think what he's doing is he's trying to bring it down to earth for us and make holiness something that really can happen on Earth, rather than just viewing it as getting to heaven.
0: Does he? So you said he quotes a lot of the saints. Mm-hmm. Does he quote any other church documents, like from Vatican II, with that? Because that's where the renewal to that call to holiness.
6: Absolutely, came yeah. Out of. So he does. He quotes Lumen Gentium from Vatican II. Okay. So Vatican II, for people who don't know, is where the um, the the fathers, the church fathers, really said, no, holiness is a universal call, right. and we're all called to be holiness in our own special way. Mm-hmm. He says that every Francis in this document says that every saint. Is called to a particular mission, and there to be a particular face of God in their time. Mm-hmm. So it's really about being who you are. Not you don't have to be like you know you don't have to be Saint Francis, Saint Francis Xavier as we no. talked as Billy yeah. talked about with yeah. his with his arm who baptized all these people. Maybe for you you're somebody who is a doctor, a lawyer, a, a stay at home mom. Right. How can you be holy and how can you live with love?
0: Right. So so maybe, maybe the most holy thing you're going to do in your life is obviously not start a new religious congregation, mm. but it could be inviting that new kid to have lunch with you uh, in school.
6: Exactly. You know, and
0: that might be the holiest thing you do, but you're doing it. It's the intention that makes it.
6: And the day to day actions are the things that will lead you to holiness and that are holiness themselves. So Francis quotes or he, he tells a really great story of, you know, a, a lady at a supermarket doing her shopping hmm. and that maybe she encounters one of her friends and one of her friends starts talking about someone they know. So her Mm -hmm. friend is gossiping and in her heart, she says, you know what? I'm not going to gossip today. I'm not going to talk behind this lady's back, That that is a small occasion of holiness. She's coming closer to God because she's realizing that that's not a great thing to do. And so it can be things as small as that.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Now, is this more of the same i don't want I don't want to say this in a way that it sounds like I'm dissing Pope Francis, but is it more of the same thing that it sounds like he's 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 already written about how we need to be merciful and how we need to smell like sheep and how about the church needs to be you know the church doesn't need to be closed in it in itself, mm. and so if I do all those things, then you know holiness is. Doesn't he say that seeing and acting with mercy is holiness? Mm-hmm. So, so he, is he not saying a lot of the same things that we've already heard him well, say? Well, it's
6: very much in line with his style and the tone that we're we're really used to from him, um, and it's very it's very highly readable, but it is very centered in mercy. And I don't think you can talk enough about mercy because mercy is the heart of the gospel. Right. It he does talk a fair bit about. Um, contemporary pelagianism and contemporary gnosticism which Wait. is something we might not be used to hearing and you just from lost him half of right our exactly yeah. and basically what he's trying to say is that there are these kind of false spiritualities right. that can lead to false ways of living out mercy and he wants us to consider if those trends are present in our hearts and our lives so i would say to people don't be scared it's very easy to understand, mm-hmm. and it, these these topics he's bringing up, um, short in short spots. You know, it's I think it's chapter two, and then the rest of it doesn't deal with high, you know, these high right. ideals or these right. these sort of hard to understand concepts. Um, he wants us to. to Take into consideration whether those are at work in our own lives. Right.
0: So maybe just in closing, so that because we want people to read the document, mm-hmm. and you need to. You, so you, it's good to read commentaries and hear what other people are saying, but you need to read the actual words that the Pope wrote and come up with your own conclusion. What would you say then, Allison? That w- what is the path according to Pope Francis? What is the path to holiness?
6: I would say that the main takeaway from this document is to let love inform your whole life hmm. because everything in life can be used to bring us closer to God.
0: That sounds like the gospel. <laughs>
6: <laughs> and it is, you know, as he said, he's reproposing these these ancient truths with a little bit of new packaging on them. Yeah,
0: no, and I guess that's good because it's all that we've been saying before that people think that they can't be holy, mm. that they can't be saints, but you can you exactly, can because yeah. saint doesn't mean that you'd never sin. It just means that you get back up. Mm-hmm. You know, it means that you have a relationship with God. So, <laughs> exactly. so let's work on our relationship with God. Let's do things with love, not great things, but as Mother Teresa would say, small things with great love. Um, so, the document is called Gaudete et Exultate, and you can just put it on your search engine, and you'll find it. Mm-hmm. If not, you can find it on our website, Salt and Light TV dot org. Um, You can also read what Allison has written yeah. on on our blog saltandlighttv.org. dot um, org, and uh, and I'm sure there's going to be lots more things coming up.
6: Oh, absolutely. As
0: as as people unpack the document. So thank you, Allison, for sharing a little bit of uh, what you know with us today.
6: Thank you, Pedro. Glad having to be here you on the
0: show. Yeah, Allison <laughs> Kenny, our newest associate producer here at Salton Light Television. Again, to read more about Gadete e Rexultate go to our blog at saltandlighttv.org. That's also where you can find a link so you can read the whole document. And if you missed any part of this conversation or any part of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and you can listen to the rest of it and uh, maybe download the whole program. Here now is our featured artists of the week, the Mosleys with Thicker Than Water from their album, Ordinary Time.
7: dog i cannot name friends i do not know we start in just the same weird different water drawn from the same well you're not the black sheep you're the one that got away the spark you held to. So long
0: was the Mosleys with Thicker Than Water from their album Ordinary Time. Rachel and Stephen Mosley are a married couple who stumbled onto the scene after winning an open mic competition. The prize was studio time, and so the Mosleys recorded their first album. And since then, they've been busy playing in festivals and stages everywhere. Rachel and Stephen have been married for 16 years and they have five young children. Their last album, which we've been listening to, is titled Ordinary Time. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Rachel and Stephen Mosley. Guys, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you.
8: Thank you for having
0: us. All right. Thanks. So, I, I mean, I love... I love speaking to married couples because, I, I mean, it's great to be married and it's great, but to, to be married and to actually work together when you're doing music, that sometimes can be tricky. So how does how does that work? How do you guys, do you, I know that Rachel does most of the singing, uh, who's writing the music, how does, how does that uh, partnership work?
2: Probably somewhat smartly. We, we waited for about 10 years before we started trying to songwrite together. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we had a lot of a lot of uh, communication practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's varied a lot as we've learned how to how to write together. It's right. uh, definitely a process of vulnerability. And um, I oftentimes bring a sketch of a song mm-hmm. and then Rachel edits it.
0: Severely fixes it. <laughs> she fixes yeah, it. Fixes it. Yeah, <laughs> compassionately. And right now, were you, Steven, Since you're the one talking, uh, are, were you writing music on your own bef- even before you met Rachel?
2: Um, kind of like it, I, I feel like it's always been something going on in the back of my head. Like, and it was. It took me a long time to learn how to not go at it too directly. Yeah, and, which is I think a secret to writing better songs. Um, but like when I was mowing the yard, you know, I remember just lyrics kind of flowing through my head. And every time I tried to stop and capture it, it was like a butterfly. and It was gone. Right, and, uh, right. That, that happened much later.
0: Yeah. And how about you, Rachel? Were you writing music before you met Stephen?
8: I had a brief bit in college where I was um, writing a lot, writing often. But since we've been married and had so many children, it sort of slipped away. Um, <laughs> through it all, we've always been big readers. Right. So I would always, you know, find wonderful, beautiful lines and sort of copy them into a note on our phone. It's right. Of how our process works these days, and yeah. then mold those over.
0: Yeah, I guess you have to be disciplined. Um because uh, you you had you said you have five children are they uh, i don't know how old the oldest is but are they at home you know are you, are you busy at home with them or do you have to set time aside specifically so you can write music or uh, how's that process This
5: year
8: this year most of the children go to school we have our youngest Jane Francis, uh-huh. at home and she's she's in the room of course right now looking at us Right Um. but but the oldest is 13 and the youngest is 4 okay. which is that um, a surprisingly restful time for us compared to having five itty bitty children really yes. close together. I've so
0: been told. I've been told. Happened. I've been told that after five, it all kind of all evens out. So if you have more kids from now on, it's all the same. They, they oh, good.
8: St- that's <laughs>
5: good to hear.
0: So they can start, you know, taking care of each other. They do all the dishes. They mow the lawn. They milk the cow. They do everything you need to know. Oh, we'll definitely so,
2: have another then if that's the case.
0: You will never, you know, uh,
2: when we had our fifth, uh, the oldest who is very naturally motherly towards towards baby. Right. Um, it's this whole different game. Like having another person to hold her or to entertain her was, was really, uh,
0: really awesome. That's great. And she's 13, so it's like babysitting and you don't have to pay her. How awesome is that?
8: It's so awesome. It's <laughs> changing <laughs> Do Everyone you, should have
5: a teenager.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you? I, I presume you're you're in a musical household now. Are you making your kids study music? Do they have to, you know, be part of a, the musical uh, family, or is it just something that the two of you do? Oh,
2: we we both come from musical parents, uh, yeah. but neither neither of us were really uh, pushed into it. And I, I think we both. Uh, I know I do. I value having found music for myself. Yeah. And so we're trying to do both, kind of keep some space for them to, to find that passion on their own, but also give them lots of opportunities to be exposed to and, and practice music. Their school does a good job of it. And, uh, you know, one of them takes piano, you know, a uh, couple of them like to sing, but uh, we're trying also not to force it.
0: Right, Our so
8: oldest children take ukulele at school, which is amazing.
0: It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Ukulele is fun. So you can be like the the traveling ukulele Von Trap. Mosley's people. <laughs> that
5: sounds so fun. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Yeah, it could be, <laughs> it could be or not. Um, um, why? So, the Ordinary Time is your second album, correct?
2: Correct.
0: Correct. So first full
2: album. The first one was an, an EP. But okay. Yeah, so the first, yeah, the first
0: album. one was the one you recorded when you won that contest, right?
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Did you? So did you set out to write an album, or did you f- come to a place where you're like, well, we have X number of songs, let's do an album? Um, how did that process uh, come about?
8: We had we had a handful, maybe fifteen songs that kind of kind of were homeless and wandering around, and then we'd play a show and people would say, "Now right. where can I find thicker than water?" Or yeah. where can I find settle? And and there was nowhere for them to find it, so we mm-hmm. set out to record those
0: right and why did you settle on that I, I mean I love the title ordinary time it's so Catholic um but but at the same time if you people don't might not know what where does that come from why did you pick that title
2: you, you kind of you hit on it there a little bit I mean we we didn't start off playing in churches and and uh, no so you know we were often playing for secular you know just normal audiences yeah you know and and, uh, and it, one of the most meaningful things was when somebody would come up to us after a show and be like are you, are, you, are you guys catholic or christian or like you know there would be a line in a song that they were just like that's that's
0: interesting interesting and
2: so ordinary time was kind of that same thing of like um, A, we write out of the you know we find so much beauty and and in the struggle of the normal ordinary mundane life and that's where we write from a lot yeah. so, so all those things kind of came together yeah you have,
8: <laughs> no, just The simple idea of kind of the working out, working out your salvation daily through regular things. And our, our song sort of took on that, yeah. on that vibe that so seemed a good encompassing name.
0: Yeah, no, it is because we, most of the time, that's where we live. It's ordinary and it's ordinary time. Um, and I love, that's one of the things I love about your music that it's not, I mean, I don't know if you would even consider yourselves as Christian singers or Christian songwriters. Um, because even though i might hear a phrase or there's a particular uh, theme in a song it's not like this you know it's not like all love songs to jesus
8: we we kind of felt like our particular call as a family is to be right in the middle of of the ordinary world yeah and, um, and to speak i know there are some people that are are called to Speak more directly, or sing sing more directly worship songs. But for us, the call seemed to be just to put a positive light into people's people's regular old darkness. That's yeah, something that they, that kind of brightens up the the bars that we might sing in. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's... There was there was also a point where um, I think it was important for us to, or you know, for me as a as a writer to to stop trying to write a certain thing and just kind of let what comes out come out and that mm-hmm. and and. You know, and it wasn't particularly songs directly written, you know, uh, about Christ. Though, though, you know, we definitely feel that, that that identity, you know, flows through all of it. it it's not the object of, of a lot of our songwriting.
0: No, and it's good. And I think that that's what it that's what makes it ordinary. You know, ordinary time is where we that's where we most of us are. That, yeah. that jesus permeates everything we do not just you know not i'm going to pray now and then i'm going to go to the bar no we we are christians and everything we do um it, one last question because i'm curious you guys are not doing this full time are you trying to make a living out of this or are you busy working at other uh, no careers? no
2: i i'm a, i actually i'm a physician assistant i run a palliative care program at a catholic hospital down here oh great uh near uh, near the beach uh so uh, but yeah, no, uh, we're, we've been really blessed to, to just kind of let it be what it is and, and kind of happen as it happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? And it's, and it's great. It's, it's good stuff. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more from you guys. Um, and hey, and more kids. <laughs>
8: <laughs> thank no, you. No,
0: no, no, yeah, no worries there. Um, thank you so much. Great meeting you and love the music. And I hope to uh, hear more from you soon.
8: Thank you so much. It's so nice to meet
2: you as well. It's such
0: a pleasure. Rachel and Stephen Mosley are married. They're the singing, songwriting duo of the Mosleys. If you missed the beginning of our conversation, just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio to listen to the whole interview and also to listen to the whole program. And you can find out more about the Mosleys at their their website, themosleysmusic.com. Here now are the Mosleys with running out the road from their album, Ordinary Time.
9: Winter's game, a solid weight of glory, held in my hand like a seed. I will work and I will move to see winter's dream come true. Desire is cruel cool and stirs of hope in every.
0: We're listening to the Mosleys with Running Out the Road from their album Ordinary Time. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light at our website, saltandlighttv.org. And when you're there, visit our show page, saltandlighttv.org radio. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro.